0: Amen. Are you ready to get into the message today? Get into the word? Did you bring your Bible today? If you didn't, that's okay. Uh, we got it up on the screen. And of course, these days you can pretty much pull out your phone and you got the scripture right there. So you are covered. I am, uh, we're going to continue our series today on Living Free. Living free. We took a break last week, and actually it was okay because it was kind of cool because we started out with an overview, um, and, and then the week after that, we, talk, we unpacked salvation. You remember that message? And we talked about justification and these big theological words and what it means to be adopted into the family. And then last Sunday at One Big Sunday, we actually got to watch that in action. We got to watch that in action as people gave their lives to Jesus. And uh, in this, this series, we looked in the first week from the book of Exodus, and we talked about how God made some promises to the children of Israel who were enslaved uh, in, in Egypt. And so he said things to them. He said four things to them. And, and, and here's where we're going to be going through this series. He said, I will, I will bring you out. I will bring you out of Egypt. How I many of you know you got to get out of Egypt? We need to be saved. We need to be adopted into the family of God. But it didn't stop there. He said, and I will deliver you from slavery. So it's not enough just to get you out of Egypt. We need to get Egypt out of us. We need to stop operating from a slavery mindset. And then it doesn't even stop there. He said, and then I will redeem you back to your created purpose. In other words, then it doesn't, it's not just about getting Egypt out. It's about you discovering the gifts inside of you and who you are in Christ and being redeemed and restored back to your purpose on this planet, and then he says, and I will take you as my people, meaning at this point, then it's not even just about us anymore, we lock arms with the body of Christ, and we make a difference, and so today, we looked, uh, we, we looked at I will bring you out, we, we un- uncovered some, some, just, some things regarding salvation, and today, we're going to talk about the second I will, and it's I will deliver you from slavery, it's going to be good, guys, and, and we're probably going to camp out here for the next three weeks because this is where most Christians miss it. We get saved, and God brings us out, and he, 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 he delivers us and, from, from, and brings us from darkness to light, and then, and then we don't know what to do from there. And then we live our lives with a slavery mindset, never quite getting free, and never quite tapping into the things that God provides for us. So we need to we need to understand how how to live free, how to get Egypt out of us. Romans chapter twelve today, and listen. If you, uh, I did a series about a year and a half ago, and we we talked. Uh, uh, it was a series it was called Transformed, and I I preached from this these two verses. And if if you were uh, came up in our youth group, my wife and I were youth pastors for eight years here at the church, and. Listen, you heard me talk about these verses because they are so important for us as believers to understand, to know how to win the battle in our mind. It is the first place of attack that's going to come to you is right here. And if you don't know how to deal with things that come at you that are false, that are counterfeits, you will never live free. And so we've got to unpack these two verses today. We're going to just read them. Romans 12, he says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, I got to pause right here before we go into verse two, because I have to to fill you in on what's happening. You see, Paul, he says, all right, I appeal to you Therefore, based on the mercies of God, he just spent 11 chapters unpacking some pretty, some pretty powerful truths to these guys. I mean, talking about salvation, redemption, and, and adoption, and understanding what it means to be a child of God. And he's saying now, now I'm in chapter 12. Okay, finally, we've got all that. Based on all the mercy and grace of God, I appeal to you now, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may be able to discern, oh, this is good, what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Can we talk about it today, church? Would you pray with me first? Father, we thank you for who you are. And God, in this moment, Um, I just ask you to come and fill this room with with just purpose and and faith. Awaken our hearts to receive what you have for us today. And and Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, that they would come to know you as their uh, savior, creator, and and just, just receive your love today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... So we see these two verses and we see Paul getting he's getting the, the 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 readers the church in Rome he's he's saying okay I've unpacked all this stuff but he's saying now that we understand the mercies of God I need to help you get to a place where you go beyond that and you actually begin responding in a way that lines up with the will of God. So 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 you Remember, I, I said this at the beginning, uh, where, where what you want to do is what you should do. Freedom is not just uh, uh, the choice to do whatever you want. Freedom is actually when what you want to do is beginning to line up with what you should do. And, and, and I, I told uh, the story yesterday, man, I had, I had a moment as a dad yesterday, God. I just, just shared my heart, man. This, just was, this was real for me, okay? This is real-life parenting, and you know, I have a ten-year-old, and and my kids were, we, you know, Saturday we're just, you know, family day, I and mean, we just stayed at home. We're like, let's just hang out, you know. And the kids were playing outside, and Jesse and Maria's kids came over, and they were out back playing, and some time was going on. and, and how many of you know silence is really good unless you have kids. <laughs> it ain't good when you have kids. Something's going on. And so I get up and I look out the window and I see some hustle and bustle and, and they're out. And I'm like, what's going on? Let me just go check on them. And so I, I go outside and, and I walk around and I, I go around the back side of my house. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see my 10-year-old, 10 year old, 10, 10 year old on the roof. No ladder. I was like, how did you even get up there? What is happening right now? What are you? I didn't even know how to. I mean, like my son is on the roof. Like I don't even know what to say to you right now. And uh, this is beyond. I didn't even share this with the first service. Let me tell you what I did. I just sat there, and I, because there was no ladder, can I tell you how he got up there? His buddy, which is Jesse Maria's son, they, she she didn't even know this until first service when I told the story. So. Isaiah and Caleb get up on top of the AC unit and Isaiah pushes him up onto the roof, but he didn't realize he couldn't get down. And so I, when I saw him, I said, what? And when I got over, I said, okay, what's your plan? And I just stood there. I was like, what you going to do? You're going to jump and break your ankle? What you, what, you, you've, you had this all figured out, right? What are you going to do, Caleb? And he just stared at me. And he kind of scooted to the edge of the roof and looked down and and, and just stared at me again. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to do right now. I need some some help, guys. I didn't know how to, what do you say in that moment? But here's why I brought this up. Because, you know, as it relates to our freedom, because people say, well, freedom is just choice. Listen, Caleb had the freedom to make a decision. Am I going to get on the roof or not? And, he, and, and and that in itself is not true freedom. Here's what true freedom would have been. You know what? I could get on the roof. But I know that's not what's best for me. I know that I could fall and break my leg or worse. You know what? I'm making the decision out of freedom not to, and that's what's best for me. So for us, as it relates to the choices we make, just because you can do whatever you want, that's not real freedom. Uh, and, and, and let me just talk... <clears throat> All right, let me talk to some guys in the room. Can I, for a second, is that okay, ladies? Just If you, if you every day want to look at porn, but you're just not because you're like, oh, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, and then you, and then you just don't do it, but every day is just white knuckle, you're not free. Now, you can be free. And let me t- say this to every person in this room. It is not God's will for you to be bound by sin. That doesn't mean temptation's not going to come knocking. Oh, it will. But freedom and maturity in Christ is when you get to the place where you spot. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, you, you, you realize what's best. And you don't even want to do those things anymore. You, you begin to see it for what it is. That's real Freedom, can we go there today? So, so there's this progression that Paul takes them on in these two verses, and I'm gonna just share with you really quick, and then I'm gonna have three questions for us. And, and in his progression in verse uh, one and two is basically um, um, to keep a clear view of God's grace and mercy starts there, he says, listen, everything we do has to be based on the grace, the foundation of who Christ is for us, we don't, we don't leave that place, we build on it, so in view of his, of his great mercy, we now can present all that we are on the altar, and give ourselves fully to him, and allow him to transform our mind, focusing on his truth, and not the pattern of the world, which will give you eyes to spot the counterfeit and walk in the will of God for your life. That's a pretty good deal right there. And he covers it all in two verses. You ready? All right. Here's here's why this is so important. Here's why this is so important. Here's why we're going to spend some time on this because what happens up here, thoughts, will become actions. Actions will become habits. Habits will shape your character, and character shapes your destiny or who you are who you're who you're gonna be and it can all be traced back to what came through right here is it important to know how to deal with this battle that goes on up here yes it is thoughts come in here and they try to wedge themselves inside of you and they try to redefine you and then they try to weasel their way in and actually and actually redefine your identity as a christian And it will hinder you from walking out the will and purpose of God for your life. So here's the first question. Three questions for us today. What's on your altar? Verse 1 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice goes on on to an altar and he says holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship what's on your altar he's he's writing this is interesting uh, he's writing to a group of of, of uh, Platonist Greeks who actually were followers of Plato, and they believed that everything other than your spirit was evil. So, in other words, your 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 body, your flesh, your emotions, all of those things were evil, and 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 could not even be given to God because God would not receive them. And the only thing that was right in us is our spirit. And so Paul comes right at the heart of that false doctrine. He says, yeah, that's great. But based on the mercies and graces of God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give everything to him. I want you to lay everything that you are on the altar. And it's interesting because when you look at a sacrifice on an altar, what you sacrifice, you no longer are in control of. What you place on an altar you are now not in control of what happens. And he says, so now put your body, your body on the altar of God. And it's the utmost trust because you're saying, God, I trust you with every single area of my life, not just the ones that I think I can give you. Every single area of my life. And and it's funny because why does he say this? Well, he he says, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship now i'm i'm kind of a nerd in the sense that i like to look at greek words and and study these kinds of things out but but does anybody else have a different word for spiritual which is your spiritual worship just reasonable reasonable did you know that the word in the greek if you if you were to look this up it actually means obvious so what it's saying is, is based on the mercies of God, based on chapters 1 through 11, based on everything I just unpacked to you, now put your whole self on the altar of God. It's the obvious thing to do. Like, it's the only thing now that makes sense. When you look at the redemption that Christ has given to us in the way that he brought us in to his fold and his family, and and he declares righteousness over us, he has seated us with him in heavenly places. Church, that's good news. And so Paul's like, based on all that, the obvious response is that you would give every ounce of your being to God. It's just obvious. Reasonable act of worship. Oh, why did he put that word there, by the way? It's just so interesting because he says that a life on the altar is worship. But see, I thought worship. Was on Sunday mornings when 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 the beautiful lady right here stands up, my wife, and she and she leads us in song, and, and we're in the presence of God and this great worship team and the and the talent and all. I thought that was well. It is, but real worship. See, real worship is it, it costs something. It's a sacrifice. Real worship is something is something that um costs you something it's doing what's right it's living in obedience even when you know it's going to cost you something listen it's returning that money that you got overpaid come on now somebody it's praying with your kids even though you're tired and you just want to go to sleep or sit on the sofa it's a sacrifice it's it's not trash talking your boss even though they deserve it come on how many of you know living in obedience Putting yourself on the altar and say, not my will be done, but yours be done. That's real worship. And so when we gather here on Sunday and we sing and we raise our hands and all that stuff, that's just like the icing on the cake. That's just the spillover. That's just the, the overflow and the, and the rejoicing when all of us can come together and I can look at you and say, man, I got people who, who, who think like me. Man, they love Jesus too. This is awesome. They're walk on this walk just like me. This is great. And we celebrate together. But real worship happened Monday to Saturday when you're just living obediently and you're just waking up and saying, God, I put my faith in you today. I'm standing on the promises of your word. Come on, that's worship right there. Can I just go even a little bit deeper? We got to clarify this because, you know, some people think, well, I sing real loud in church and I raise my hands. And I even dance sometimes. I'm jumping, you know, I'm like, I like that stuff, you know. And got my smile, my, got my Jesus smile on my face. Woo, God bless you. Now, I'm all for that. That's great. But if you're doing that on Sunday morning, but your Monday to Saturday is lived for you, you can keep your hand raising. It's real quiet in here. And here's the thing. Y'all are going to get mad at me, but Jesus said it. So can I prove it to you? Matthew 15, 8. I didn't even give her to put this on the screen, but it says, Jesus says, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The heart, the Greek word there means the real you is far from what you're actually singing. Oh God, I give you my life. Oh, I'll stand and I just declare all this in Jesus name. But I'm Monday. I'm living for myself. Jesus said, there is a worship that is meaningless. I didn't say it. Take it up with the author. He said it. And I say this all to encourage us, not to discourage you or discredit you. I Maybe you're in that place where you're like, man, I've just been going through the motions. Then God is is stirring you this morning to, to get your affections back on him. So that you can get up tomorrow and not feel condemned, but feel encouraged by the grace of God to say, yes, there's a new day for me. And I'm giving it all to Jesus today. It's not going to be lip service anymore. Come on, somebody. I'm not just going to come in here and jump around, man, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I'm not perfect. But, man, I'm on the path. And I'm living in relationship with Jesus. This is real worship. So the question, what's on your altar? Is it 50%? I heard somebody say that most Christians can go 98%, but it's the last 2%. That's the hardest to give God. What does this tell us? See, here's the thing. Let me just break this down for you a second. Any percentage of yourself, any area of your life that you don't give to God, what you're actually telling him is, I could do this better than you. What you're actually saying? See, we have compartments in our life, and we have these areas. We have our, our our social compartment. We have our church compartment. Oh, God bless you, brother. And we have our our work our work compartment. Like man, yeah, what are yes yeah, Monday again? Whatever, yeah. At my computer. So we have our work compartment. We have you know the the the, the times where we like to have fun, and, and, and man, I like to play golf, or I like to go to the beach, or what. So so it's like our social box, and. And so we've got all, but a lot of us have these, this, this one little box back here is kind of private. Most of the time, some people, it ain't private. It's like, just what it is. But we actually say, God, like you can have these, just leave me alone right here. Like, I'm good. Yeah, we got that one covered. So you just hang out in the church box and, and, you know, the family, man, bless that family box, right? Man, the financial box, God, if we could just rain down the favor right now, that would just be great. We need some we need some blessings from heaven. Come on. Oh, but this one, this one back here. Now, nah, I, I got this one. Yeah, we're good. Don't worry about that. What you're saying is. My way here is better. What we're saying is that I will have more enjoyment in life if I keep this doing it my way. So the temptation is if I give this over to God, I'm gonna be worse off. And I don't know about you, but I grew up that way. I knew the the truth of God. And the reason I didn't give my life to Him until I was 20 is because I thought that if I if I gave my life and I put my life on the altar of God, that God was gonna make my life boring. All my friends were gonna be boring. I couldn't have fun anymore. I couldn't, you know, enjoy life because God doesn't want me to enjoy life. He just wants me to be obedient. Come on. And so, and so I, I thought that. And so I was like, you know what? When I get older and I'm like old and boring, I'll give my life to you, God. But right now I'm young, I need to do my thing. I need to do my thing until I realized that was a counterfeit. It was a counterfeit to keep me from really enjoying the things that God desires for me to have and the peace and the joy that he desires for me to live in every day. And I bought the lie. What's on your altar? How much percent? 50? That's not meant to discourage. If it's, if it's only 50, then, then allow the Holy Spirit in this moment to stir you to trust him with the rest. What's on your altar? Second question, are you committed to the process of change? Oh, this is good, look at verse two. So he talks about putting yourself on the altar, which is your obvious response, your obvious worship. And now he says, um, and, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is a process of change. so the second question, are you committed to the process of change? I told you I'm somewhat of a, of a nerd as it relates to words and, and studying like the Greek and the tenses. And so uh, I, I'm just gonna share this with you, take it or leave it. But the word um, conformed and the word transformed in the Greek are in their present active tense. Why is that important? Because it should be translated or it could be translated um, uh, do not, or it should be continue to not conform. To this world but keep on being transformed by the renewing of your mind keep on keeping on not fitting the mold or the pattern of the world what that means this um when it says don't be conformed that means to to fit in a mold anybody like like Christmas cookies and you got the little thing that you just right and you just got a snowman right it's molded to to fit the shape that it wants that cookie to be in. And what he's saying is the world system has a mold. It has a cookie cutter. And and what it's trying to do, it's trying to slowly, it's trying to get you in its mold so that you look like the world. And And so Paul is saying there's a process that we have to continually, every day be on, which is not fitting the mold, but being transformed, keep on being transformed by renewing Our minds and I love because verse 1 and verse 2 in the Greek it's a flow it doesn't break so it could be read uh, which is your spiritual worship it could be translated not conforming to the world so it's this flow of put yourself on the altar based on the grace and mercy of God and as you're doing that you're not conforming to the world but being transformed the word renewal it says don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Well, we're going to talk about how do we renew our minds. That's important, isn't it? If the transformation comes by renewing our mind, we need to know how do we renew our mind. And I love because the word renewal in the, in the Greek, it literally means to renovate. To renovate. Anybody ever done some renovation at your home? Anybody noticed in the past six months, if you've been around that long, we've done some renovation to our church? Some walls have been knocked out, and, and some things have been done. And How many of you know there's a process to renovation? So, so for example, um, if you've ever had, like, your kitchen, you know, remodeled or renovated, could you imagine with me, uh, like, husbands, if you, if you just decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to renovate our kitchen, and my wife's really going to like this a lot, and you just go and you just start ripping stuff out, and you just start throwing cabinets, and you just start, I mean, dust everywhere, nails two by four, I mean, you just, and then you just left it and say, ah, I'm good right now. I think I'm just going to chill for a little while. And your wife comes in and she's like, um, excuse me, that stuff needs to go. You're like, no, I just feel like, you know, I did some and I'll work on this later. I'll work on this later. She's going to be like, no, you need to get that out or you need to get out. You choose, you choose the stuff we've done here at the church. Can you imagine recently? I don't know, a couple of months ago, we knocked out a wall that kind of divided uh, this room over here. And we thought, man, we're growing too much. We got too many people and they're just crammed up right there. So we just knock walls out. But can you imagine if you came here one Sunday morning and there was dust everywhere, two by fours, nails, just pieces of sheetrock all over the place. And y'all were like, what is going on? And we're just like, well, you know, we we, we did some. And you know, when we feel like getting back to it, we'll, 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 we'll try to clean this up. You would be like, what? I'll see y'all later because... <laughs> This is no. There's a process. There's a process of removing things that don't need to be there, removing things that don't need to be there. Um, I I love this because he's using this to refer to our mind. And so, what might this look like? You get a crazy thought, or I'll just say I do. I don't know if y'all get crazy thoughts because I I I do. Right? Y'all are holy. I'm just I'm just trying to make it right. I'm just. I'm just every day trying to live for Jesus. Y'all are like, no, y'all are good. But sometimes you just get a thought and you're just like, whoa, where, where did that even come from? Don't, do uh, just confused right now. Not really sure what to do with it. And what happens is, is if we're not on this process of renovating, renovation is removing what doesn't need to be there and adding what does need to be there. If we're not on this process, then then something at like out here that that that's a counterfeit, it, it comes in and we don't really know how to handle it or what to do. And so it just makes itself at home. And then it kind of comes in and its job again is to redefine your identity. It could be shame knocking on the door. Uh, in first service, I use the illustration of like a hotel. Just imagine that your you're mind, you're, you're like the, what do you call the person? Just the front desk person, okay? And, and, and shame comes up to the front desk and says, hey, uh, do you, you got some rooms for me? Like, I, I'm, I need a room. And you're like, wow, man, like, what's your name again? Like, I don't really... don't really see shame in the book here um you, you sure you have the right reservation are you sure that yeah 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 please let me in and if you don't know truth and if you're not renovating your mind you're gonna let that thing in and he's gonna go upstairs and make himself at home but the renovation process based on the mercies of God based on the truth of God says when he knocks when he comes to that that front desk and says hey my name is uh is is guilt and condemnation, do you have a room for me? You got some space for me? And you're like, hold up, let me see. Uh, you know what? Actually, I see right here that it says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, that we've been set free from the law of sin and death, and we are now made alive through the Spirit of God. So yeah, I don't see you on the list here. You got to go. Yeah, so, so now we're not allowing, we're not allowing what's not supposed to be there to stay. It's the constant process of renovating, renewing our minds. Are you with me? How do we do this? Go to 2 Corinthians 10.5. 2 Corinthians 10.5, he, he kind of unpacks this a little more here. This is Paul again writing to the church in Corinth. You know what? I'm going actually, I'm going to just start from verse 3 because it's really good. For though we walk not in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. I wish I had time to unpack this more. We Look at verse five. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every... Thought captive. What does it say? To obey Christ. What's this look like for us, church? Here's what it looks like. A thought comes in. It's not from God. The Bible says through the renovation process of of being on the altar that that, that if something doesn't line up with the Word of God, it it says to, to take it captive. This word actually is a military word, and it means to be led by a point of a spear. So now you've got this crazy thought that comes your way that's going to try to lodge in you and keep you from living free. You line it up against truth. You realize that it's a counterfeit, that it needs to go, and you point the spear to it. You take it captive and say, you get off my porch. And it goes. You don't even give it thought anymore. If you don't do this, your thoughts will start to control you, and you will live in bondage. You ever met somebody who's been saved 20, 30, 40 years, knows Jesus, but just can't live free? They are losing the war up up here. They are losing the battle, and the enemy is just picking, the, the enemy is coming, oh shame, oh guilt, oh regret? Yeah, take room 202, make yourself at home oh, what are you over here? Oh, okay, guilt and all this stuff and, and, and unforgiveness. Oh yeah, I got a master suite for you, unforgiveness. Make yourself at home. <laughs> and, and they do. And it seeps into who you are and it begins to come out in actions. Now you're responding in unforgiveness. That thought became action. And now these actions, you're responding out of unforgiveness, it now becomes a habit. See, now you're doing it to people that aren't even in that situation. Because it's just a habit. You don't trust me. Your unforgiveness is just coming out of you. Then the action of unforgiveness leads to building your character. Your character shapes who you are and your destiny. So take every thought captive. You get a crazy thought, line it up to the word of God. Everything lined up to the grace and mercy of God that doesn't pass the test gets dumped. Come on, it gets trash. it gets dumped. Delete! As, as it, we've done a lot of work to this church, right? And, and I gotta tell you, um, I don't think my wife heard this first service. But, but see, I love my dad. I don't know where he is, he's probably over there right now. But my dad, he's a worker, man. Like he's just, he's working all the time. He's trying to get things done. He doesn't necessarily always have the taste that my wife is trying to accomplish here. And so sometimes he does something and, he, and he's like, man, this is gonna look great and, and it's functional and I think this passes the test. And then my wife comes along and says, what is this? This is not, this does not pass the test get it out anything in your life that doesn't agree with what god says needs to go are you battling with i mean what whatever it may be regret come on depression are you are you are you in agreement with depression Are you in agreement with anxiety? So where you've dealt with it for so long, you have partnered with it? You can't be free of something that you're in partnership with. (laughs) That's good. So what are you in partnership with? What have you been in agreement? Well, I've been struggling with this for, you know, I've been struggling with this thing for so long. I mean, I, I probably just struggled with it my whole life, partnering. I just feel like maybe God can't deliver me from that. I've been struggling now for two years. Maybe it's just who I am, partnering. So you have covenant. You have covenant with things that you shouldn't be in covenant with. And the only way to break a covenant is to make a greater covenant. Come on, somebody. Is to make a greater covenant than the previous, and it nullifies the previous covenant. So we covenant with what God says about us. We partner with the truth of God. We are in agreement with what God says about us and what Jesus has done for us. And it's gonna nullify the lies in our life. Okay. Let me just say this before we go to our last question. This process doesn't happen by chance. In other words, you don't, you, you, listen, the enemy of, of your calling is complacency. The, in, the enemy of you f- living in freedom is comfort and complacency. And isn't that such a norm in this country? Because think about it, we have a job, we have, most of us have enough money to get by and we're, we've got our car and our kids, you know, act okay unless they get on top of the roof. But beyond that, I mean, things are okay and things are good and I've got clothes and, 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 and you know, things are, are generally okay. And so I'm just in the, I'm just in kind of cruise mode. And 90% or or more of Christians that are in church all over this country are actually living in complacency you see they're gonna hear things spoken and they're gonna be like hey amen I agree with that but then you just go back to your own cruise mode Monday comes and you just cruise control get up you know maybe complain that I gotta go to my job and I go and I do my work thing and then I come home and I hope dinner's ready and I hope she cleaned everything up for me and and you know this or that and then I wake up and I do it all over again oh and then church day yay, praise God let me check that box off because it's the right thing to do <laughs> A lot of Christians live this way. And I'm just here to break that mold, not in Generation Church. No, because God has more for you. Jesus paid a high price so that you could walk in freedom and to get out of complacency and be committed to the process of change in your life. Every day change, every day renovation. We are becoming who we already are. Freedom is instantaneous and it's also a progress it's a progression does that make sense when you said yes you were you were free in christ positionally you are seated with him in heavenly places you are righteous you are holy you are you are forgiven there's nothing you can do to make god like you more or less he loves you but we are In a process of becoming who we are, (laughs) it's called sanctification. Last, the last question I have for you guys today is going to be from verse two. And the question is Can you spot the counterfeit? Can you spot the counterfeit? It says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renovation of your mind so that, or that by testing you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to talk about this because um, did you know that there is a counterfeit will of God for your life? In other words, it looks good, smells good. It appears to have value, but it's worthless. We need to be able to spot the counterfeits. Look at verse two, look at it. It says that by testing, you may be able to discern. This word discern means to prove genuine as with money, right? It means to be able to spot proper value. That's the definition of the word. So what is he saying? He's saying uh, it, it, it's the term used for back in the day when they used to have somebody who, who they, th- that would test money and coins and be able to look at it and, and you know just investigate this coin and say, yes, this is real. Or no, this is fake. I know it looks real, it, it, it's, but it's, it's not. It's worthless. And he's saying that there is a progress. There, there, there is a place that God wants us to be where, where we are in our transformed mind able to spot the counterfeits that comes to us and says, hey, I've got something great for you. Yeah, I know you've been struggling in your marriage, and I know your husband's lazy, and I know all he does is come home and gripe and complain, and he wants dinner ready, and he's not even nice to you. Oh, and by the way, when's the last time he took you out on a date? And you're like, yeah, that's true. Hey, guess what? I got this person over here. Things would be so much better for you. Oh, the grass is so much greener on the other side. Oh, he will take care of you. Oh, he will value you. Oh, it's going to be so great. Oh, don't worry about your kids. It's going, they're, going, it's going, they're going to be fine. It's all about you. You need to know that, that this is what's best for you. And it looks and it sounds and you feel like, yes, I mean, look at this person. And they're showing me attention. And, and, and it, it, it seems like what's best for me, but it's fake. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit goodness for you. It's a counterfeit will of God. And the only way to spot it is to have a renovation process of our mind. And when we see that counterfeit, we line it up and we say, hold up a second. I don't care how I feel right now. I know what God says about me and what he says is real. You are, this is counterfeit. I can spot the fact that though I feel a certain way right now, you are worthless you're worthless i can i'm discerning the will of god the enemy brings counterfeits they look good oh they're gonna they're gonna make you think life's gonna be great listen that happened to me for years oh what you need is more money so i started doing things i shouldn't do oh what you need is more women so i started doing things i shouldn't do oh what you need is more you know uh appreciation and and friends and and So I started doing things I shouldn't do, only to realize that big steak dinner that the enemy was putting in front of me, that smelled so good. Oh, and the the Caesar salad was there, and the loaded baked potato with the butter just dripping down. Oh, it looked so good, but I took a bite, only to realize there was a three-inch hook in it, and it hurt and it caused pain, and it caused regret. And now i got a big hook in my mouth because I couldn't spot the counterfeit. I couldn't spot it. I couldn't see it. I wasn't in the process of renovation. It says that we can spot it so that we can discern. Look at the end of the verse. To discern what is the will of God. To know the will of God of God. Did you know that 98% of the the decisions you make you don't have time to pray about. It's just reaction. 98% of the decisions you make are just spillover. Oh God, right now I just hold on guys for a second. Hold on, hold on. Lord, right now, I'm just not really sure where you want us to go to lunch right now. I mean, I like chilies or I like beef. You know, they got that really good dessert at this place. Could you please guide me into your will? Like, what? Just make a decision. No, you're, you're responding to things. You don't have time to fast and pray over whether you should have come to church today. Well, is it God's will? Oh my goodness, what if it's not? I don't know God's will. See, last week, we, we looked at some of the most Googled phrases. Remember that? And some of the most Googled phrases in every state is like, what's, what's my purpose? What's, uh, uh, what happens when I die? Um, you know, all of these different things. But if there was a Christian Google, and we can look at all the phrases of, that Christians want to ask, I bet I know what number one would be. What is the will of God for my life? God, what is your purpose for me? And did you know that it is not your job to fast and pray about God's will for you? That's a shock for somebody. God never says anywhere in this Bible, oh, you need to, you need to do step one, two, three, four, and you need to fast, and you need to pray three times a day, and then I'll show you my purpose for you. You know what he says? He says, I want you to get to a place where you are so mature and you are so walking in truth and your mind is every day just trashing things that don't need to be there. And you're filling it back with what's valuable and truth that you are just naturally responding and reacting, lining up to the will of God. Like you're responding, it's not every time, it's not like every single thing you do is gonna be perfect. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm just talking about in general, we we are learning to live and trust that there actually is a spirit of God inside of us, guiding us and leading us into truth. And it's God's purpose for you to just discern that, to just spot it. Not, not, it's okay if you're at the place where you you're fasting and you're praying and you're just lord i don't know if i should leave and and, and leave my husband and leave this and do that I, i'm just not really that's okay but i'm just saying there's more god god wants to get us to a place where i don't even have to pray about this this is not god this is the free life this is living free imagine my my son I have two boys and What if one of them, you know, let's say he grows up and he's 10 now. But let's say when he's 30, he's married, he's got a job, and he calls me one day. And he's like, Dad, you know, I just really like you. I respect you. And I'm just wondering, you know, I'm not really sure what to do right now. I'm I'm wondering, would you, would you, do you think I should brush my teeth today? And be like, but you need to, like, get off the weed. Okay, just get off. Like, yes, brush your stink. Yes. You're 35. You don't call me to ask me if you need to brush your teeth. You just do it. But when they're three and four and Riley and Avery, listen, every day, hey, get in there and brush your teeth. And sometimes I've got to actually get in there and brush it for them because they're not doing a good job. And that's okay. But there's a growth process that when we get older and we get mature, that we don't have to ask God for everything. We're responding in the will of God. It's seeing through a renewed mind. It's seeing proper value, and it's spotting the counterfeit. So let me recap, and we're done. The process of freedom, it's, it's, it's grounded on the mercies and grace of God. It's grounded on who, who Christ is and what he did. It's presenting ourselves now to him. It's putting all that we are 100% on the altar and saying, God, you can have full control. It's, it's, it's being committed to the process of change, the renovation process every day, lining things up with truth and filling ourselves with what God has said about us. And then trusting that the product is that we're going to be growing and responding and spotting the counterfeits that come our way and living free and making a difference. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you, even in this moment, are speaking to some people who have been complacent. This is what I feel very strongly right now, is that there's people in this room who, you know Jesus, you have a relationship with him, but you've been on cruise control. You have not been committed to the process of renovation and to the process of change, and you are just in this this place of just ineffectiveness. And maybe maybe you're in here and maybe there's a big hook in your mouth because you took a big old bite of a steak and and you're hurting because of that. That thing that you did that you thought would bring you peace is not bringing you peace. So you find yourself at a place of not knowing where to turn. And I'm here to tell you today that you need to turn to Jesus, that there's hope for you. This is not the end but the beginning for you.